We find here in Judges 11, it's, it's the scripture where we are, we found out more about this character. One of my truthfully favorite characters in the Bible, not because of what they did that was so well, but truthfully because of what they overcame and what was overcome in his life. Jephthah was a character that even in school I wrote a paper on him and I, I was challenged by his person, challenged by his life, and always a little bit enamored by, and oftentimes when you say Jephthah, you immediately think about this rash vow that he made. I spent time talking about the vow before, and I also spent time talking and truthfully at times judging, if I can put it that way, his vow. This moment that he pulls in all that he can as the people stood there and and he acts quickly. Acts in a way that maybe you and I would also have done. Because in the moment when everyone's eyes are on you and their ears are turned towards you and you see the enemy coming at you and adrenaline is going, at times you say things that maybe you wish you could maybe come back and hold on to. I don't know if that's the case today with Jephthah, though. I think that maybe I've been unfair at times with Jephthah. Jephthah stepped into a unique situation. He stepped into Israel's um, current time where they were looking and longing for a leader to step up. They were longing for someone to rise to the occasion. If we could put it in the best terms, yes, they were God's people. But Israel as a nation was in decay at the time and and. In Judges chapter 10, we can find more about this. We can find that these, these, uh, this nation was deficient in some areas that was leading, that, that, that was leading them to a place where they, they weren't uh, matching up to what, if I can say it this way, what God saw them as being or the potential could actually be. They, they, were, they were struggling. They were deficient. Israel's lack of gratitude to the Lord in Judges 10, 1 through 5, we find sets them up in a place of loss, in a place of longing. These people, the people of Israel, didn't take advantage of years of peace to grow in relationship. Rather, while they were not facing a foe, and while they find themselves in a place of, of temporal paradise, they just sat in it. They just wallowed in it. They found themselves careless in it. They didn't find themselves in a place of longing to have more of God. They didn't find themselves of looking to say that he's the one that has given this to us. And so, so in this moment where they begin to now find themselves at a stationary place, they no longer are shoring up their relationship with God. They're just sitting and going idly by. And in that place of idol, you often turn to idols. And so they begin to now find themselves worshiping things that were not of God, worshiping things that were man-made, worshiping things that were not the one true God. And, and, and they found themselves lost. Eyes were on every little thing, and they were, not, they were no longer grateful to the giver. But Israel was simply longing to find something to worship because they lost their way. So they're deficient in their gratitude. They were also deficient in their submission to the Lord. 
10, 6 through 16, if the people had only reviewed their own history, they would have learned from it. But as we know in modern day and in in the world we're living in right now, if you erase history, you do not learn from history. History sometimes is ugly. Sometimes, sometimes you have to remember that that knife cut you to remember to be more careful with the knife. Israel didn't learn this. They struggled with this a little bit. Israel, uh, they, they lacked in this. They, they weren't learning from They would never have turned from Jehovah God to worship false gods of their neighbors. When God chastens us in love and we're suffering because of the lack or because of our sinful nature, it's easy to cry out to him for deliverance and make all kinds of promises. But when we find ourselves in comfort... When we find ourselves in a joyous blessings, when we find ourselves reaping the harvest that maybe has finally come, when we say, well, no longer do we have to put in the work, no longer does this have to happen. We find ourselves now with, with creating a weak character in weak work ethic. There's one saying that goes around, and it just came into my mind, but, but I, I, I'll try my best to get it. But tough men, uh, cre- or tough times create, what is it, uh, um, better times. Better times create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create uh, uh, tough men. It kind of goes in a cycle. I probably butchered that a little bit, but what it's saying is that, that I maybe didn't have anything, but I worked hard. And by working hard, I provided something for my son or my daughter. And now in that situation, they've not understood the work ethic to have these things. And so they don't see it as something you work for. They see it as something I just gained. And now their generation is not going to know what to do and they may lose it. But guess what? After that generation loses it, someone else is going to have to say, well, I've got to work for it. I've got to have it again. And I've got to get back out and get the shovel out and put the gloves on and get a little bit of work under myself and do some things that matter to bring those times back to us. But what I've come to tell the church is we don't have time to get comfortable. We don't have time to say, well, I'm reaping the blessings and I've got the good. No, there's not enough time. I've come to declare to you that we are, I believe, in the last days and time is of essence. And I must know that I've got to let him know every day of my life that I thank you for all. You've done for me. I thank you for all you've done. And I've got to also be clear and concise to let him know that I submit to what you're calling us to do. I submit to your word, God. I submit and I long for it. I'm, I want you to hear me right now that, that if it's in the Bible, I preach it or we preach it. If it's not in the Bible, we don't preach it. There's no... I don't care what, let me just be clear with you. I don't care what's on the sign. I don't care. We can take the sign and toss it in the river if we want to. I don't care what's on the sign. What I care about is what is in the word of God. I want you to know that real fast. You might say, well, we're this or we're that. I'll tell you this right now. We are a book of Acts church. We are the church that was, that was formed in the book of Acts. We believe the word of God that the apostles preached, they died for. We believe the words that when Paul was locked up in a prison and people were spitting on him and making fun of him, and he took that old pen, he'd dip it in the ink, and he'd write it down. He wasn't saying, well, we got 
to make sure we got this law and that bylaw? No. He wrote down the inspired word of God, and that's what I want the Lord to know. I want him to know that I have gratitude that even then there was a word. I have gratitude that through all the time there was a word. I want him to know I'm submitted to it. I'm not submitted to anything else. I'm submitted to the word of God. I'm submitted to him. I want you to know this real fast. We, we got to be careful. I've got to be careful not to get things out of order. Got to be careful. Israel's lack in this time. Gratitude and submission also led to this lack of adequate leadership. Everybody was comfortable. They were, they, 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 they were prepared to act. They longed for the moment, but, but yet no one was willing to step up in the moment. We find in Judges chapter 11, we, we found that, that there's this mighty man of valor, Jephthah. Now let me just take a moment here and Tell you a little bit about, about Jephthah. Jephthah's father, for the, for the sake of the young years, decides to go out and find a woman of the night. And he longs to find his, 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 his happiness in the arms of someone else. And that woman becomes pregnant, gives a child. And in that moment, the, the Gilead did the best he could. He brought that child into the home. But from the day that he walked into that home... He was not like the other brothers. He was not like the other kids. He was, he was cast aside. He was one that was judged harshly. He was one whose life was unclean background. He was one that struggled. And the, and the scripture says that, that this uh, in verse 1 of, of chapter 11, now Jephthah, the Gileadite, a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. Gilead begat Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons. And when his, wife, when his sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, you shall have no inheritance in our father's house for you are the son of another woman. Here's what I want you to get real fast. This was not Jephthah's fault. Jephthah was the product of a mistaken uh, uh, or a moment of mistake in a previous generation. It was not his fault. There was nothing that Jephthah did to deserve such harsh treatment. The reality was is that that was his father just because his background was painted with a different brush does not mean that he now does not get to reap the benefits of an inheritance it is not and I feel right now so strongly I don't say this often I feel a Holy Ghost right now because I want someone to know just because you've been walking in this for so long just because you've learned how to do all the things does not mean someone can't walk off the street does not mean he's not their father it does not mean they don't have an inheritance does not mean they don't have blessings in their life oh I know we've got it all figured out I know we got the clothes and I know we got the look and I know we've got all the stuff but I'm looking in the word of God and I find that he died for all I find that homosexuality was in the cup I find that lying was in the cup I'm finding that cheating was in the cup I find that all things was taken to Calvary 
Jephthah looked around wondering why, why me he was cast out. But yet there comes a moment when Amon came. Amon was, uh, was wreaking havoc on the children of Israel. And in Jephthah they find out was a warrior that never suffered defeat. Never had a defeat in his life. Why? Sometimes hard times create strong people. Sometimes when you've got nothing, you got to make something out of nothing. Sometimes when you've been cast out, you find a way to get up and work. Sometimes when you've been thrown aside, you find a way to make it all come together. Sometimes when you've got nothing, you've got nothing at all to give, nothing to show for, nothing to brag about. You go out and you say, you know what? I'm never going to be struck down. I'm never going to be defeated. Sometimes... Sometimes the church needs somebody that's come from a dark situation. Sometimes, and what I mean by sometimes is every service, there's got to be somebody that says the enemy said I was done. The enemy said I was down. But thank God I'm still standing. Thank God my feet are under me. And thank God I got back up. Thank God I found my way to grace. Jephthah's called on by his brothers. He's called to this place to, to now come and, and bring some retaliation to, against Amon. Now here's the thing I want you to get is that Israel did not engage in war with Amon. But Amon, they engaged in battle on Israel. In Israel, God's people had no man. Is it a sad reality? If I can be clear with you this morning, that Israel oftentimes can be correlated with the church, with us, with you and I. They had no man. They got comfortable. They, they lost their gratitude. They were no longer submitted. And because of that, they created a place with no leader ready to stand up. So they go back to the man that was born of the harlot that was exiled of the land, and they asked him to come back to lead them. They looked and they longed and they, 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 they pleaded, please, please come back. They begin to tell him, we'll, we'll, we'll do these things. And verse 23, now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before his people of Israel. Uh, should you then possess it? Will you not possess whatever Chemosh your God gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord God takes a possession before us will possess. And now are you any better than, and it goes through this, this, this scripture of this, this conversation and it begins to tell and I won't read it all but it begins to kind of let him know he's having this conversation of longing and wanting but he's trying his best to figure out why because Jephthah was pushed out of this land Jephthah had feelings Jephthah had emotions Jephthah looked at where his family was and he could not go back Jephthah saw the inheritance he could not have he was a man with no family no home but yet many victories and now they come knocking on the door saying we need you to come back why why? Because again, the church had gotten comfortable. The church had gotten to be what it was. The church was no longer great, no longer grateful for all the things God was doing, not just in the past, but also in the present. The church was driving through the rearview mirror, looking back, saying, I remember when. And what the Lord was saying, what about now? What about now? What about what's taking place now? What about all the goodness now? What about... 
I hate to say it, the songs from now. What about all the stuff from now? I know that makes some uncomfortable, but you need to hear it every three Sundays. But what about now? What about now? What about now? What about, what about today? What about the God of, of today? What about the, the church of today? What about the moments of today? What about what God's doing today? What about this? And so, so we find that, that Jephthah comes strolling into town, yet his emotions are high. Don't take the emotions of these good people out of the stories of the good book. Because Jephthah now is looking and seeing the people that were casting him away. He sees his brothers there at the crowd. They weren't standing to fight. They weren't standing to lead, but they were calling on him. And the Bible says in verse 29 of Judges 11, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed through Mitzvah of Gilead. And from Mitzvah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. And Jephthah, here we go, vowed a vow to the Lord. He's in battle. He's in the moment of his life where he's now on the cusp of, of, of his inheritance. He's in the, on the cusp of those who drove him out saying, no, you are our ruler. You are our leader. He's in a moment of longing to be reinstated in a man that now has a home, a man that has a family, a man that has a life. But in this moment, I can't help but try my best to get into the emotions of Jephthah. Because, yes, they were pure. Yes, he wanted to do the right thing. Yes, I believe the Spirit of God rested upon him. But the Spirit of God always has to rest upon a vessel of clay. And if that vessel of clay, we're talking about our flesh, there's oftentimes the intertwinement of, 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 of our flesh and our spirit, the spirit's resting. But yet we got, at times have things we have to deal with. That's why I'm thankful for CR. I'm thankful what God's doing on our Sunday morning CR class. There's emotions. There's things that we have to deal with. It'd be good for everybody at some point to go through CR. I believe strongly you have to know there are things you're dealing with. There are some right now writing their demise their own demise because you're not willing to deal with the hurts and the pains of your yesteryears and I'm trying to tell you today the spirit of God wants to lead you but sometimes you've got to work through some emotions that you've been carrying and walking with I hope this is making sense this morning we have this moment where Jephthah the scripture says vow a vow this is what he's known for and said, if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands. It's always a problem when it becomes about you. He didn't say what I wish he would have said, Jephthah, you had me all the way there. It was such a, a marvelous story. It was a story of a man that went from great to nothing and now is rising back up. But he makes a mistake in this moment. Why? Because he made it about him. He didn't say, Lord, deliver the children of Ammon into the hands of Israel. He didn't say, Lord, deliver the children of Ammon into your hands. No, he says, into my hands, mine. He, he took it personally. He, began, he made it about him. I wish somebody would hear me today right now. I wish you'd hear me. There's a bigger picture in this whole thing. There's something broader going on. Right now in, 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 in Arkansas, there's thousands of churches gathering together. In North America, there's, there's, there's countless amount of people walking into the house of the Lord. Some churches are having five services 
service on a Sunday because they can't fit all the people in a building. There's many, yes, some might have full truth. Some I'm praying that God reveals the full truth. But they, they might have a different name on the sign. I know this is, this is hard for you to fathom. But if the Spirit of God moves on them, then I don't really care what the name on the side says. I don't find in the book where it says it's God. No, I find where there's truth. And the Lord moved on a people then, and he can move on a people now. And I pray it's us that God does a work in. But if I'm comfortable and I don't submit, then I, I know God will find somebody. But I can never make it about me. It's not about me. It's not about what I have. It's not about what I possess. It's not about what I've prayed for. It's not about what I've longed for. It's about me submitting to the word of God. And Jephthah makes a mistake. And he says, if you deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, then it will be whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me. There's a whole lot of me, 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 me. If you feel like that sounds like you, then you've got to deal with some me problems too. If if you feel like, well, I want mine and I want to do it my way and I like my way, then and you've got to understand too it's important for you to realize that maybe you should stop looking at yourself and say God whatever you want whatever it is you have whatever it is you desire whatever it is I can do in your house God then let me but Amon is coming in and he prays this prayer that's much more than just a prayer but he, he speaks a word of a vow and he says whatever comes to the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace That word peace carries some weight because the word peace is covenant, communion, shalom, but it's speaking much greater. It's talking about when everything comes together. When I return back, I walk into that home, I walk on my property, and everything has come together. It's a mythical feeling in a sense that he prays. This prayer, he's, he's coming from a place of longing, of, of, a, of a utopian feeling that everything I've longed for, everything I've longed for, everything I've, I've prayed about, everything, when I return to my home and everything is perfect, I'm telling you right now, we cannot long for a perfect day. There will be no perfect days, but I want days that are of the will and the promise of God. I want God to lead, and I want God to walk us, and I want God to carry us, but Jephthah says, if you deliver them into my hands, then I'll ret- when I return, when I go back, when I go back, whatever comes out of the doors of my house, when I return in peace from the people of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. You see that that many believe that he would have expected and you know the story by now I'm sure but if you don't let me take a moment to help you understand the Lord did not want human sacrifice. He did not long for human sacrifice and this is many scholars and 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 and, and commentaries believe strongly that, that this is not what he did but however he makes this rash vow. He makes this quick promise that's beyond a promise. It's something God, a vow is something God intends on you to honor. He makes this vow and he says, Lord, whatever comes out, he expected maybe an animal of some sort. He expected one of his, one of his many animals to come from that gate. But the word had spread quickly. The word had gone through one ear and quickly now spread to another ear and another all the way down to the place where his daughter 
His only child was sitting in the house and she hears, she hears of the word of the victory and she had heard her father many days say, babe, someday if I can get you back to where we're from, if I can someday get us back established, you'd love it. I, it's home. It's home. It's where we're supposed to be. It's not right what they did to us, but there'll be a day someday. The reason why is Jephthah was a godly man. Jephthah knew scripture. Jephthah was a man that feared God, honored God, but the reality is being a man that fears God and honors God is not enough if you're a person also that walks in flesh. You've got to also be somebody who's daily submitted. You've got to also be somebody who's grateful every day. You've got to be somebody who understands constantly that everything I think and every word I speak, I've got to make sure I'm careful. I've got to make sure because when I speak something, the Lord hears this very thing and He speaks this word and He, he, he comes back at His place. His daughter hears Him coming and she runs out of the doors of his home and out of the gate she sees him and he looks up at her and I can only imagine what the scripture doesn't fully tell I can only imagine as he looks at her and sees the love that he had for this little girl he he loved her so very much but he falls on his knees because quickly he traces himself back to the battle of Ammon he goes back just a little while prior of that and remembers that he vowed a vow the whole way home he was wondering what would walk out He was wondering what would come out of the doors. He was wondering what would come out of that place. And here is not an animal. But here's his child. The struggle of this whole story. The struggle of it all is found in his vow. It was talked about a little bit this morning. But when you get things out of order. You can make a mess of all of it. I'm not going to be much longer here this morning, but what I want you to get right now is that Jephthah had a chance to do something else. I wish so bad I could go back and I could call time out, stop everything, and I could walk on the scene. I could come up to Jephthah's ear and I'd say, Jephthah, listen. Tell him you're going to worship him no matter what. Tell the Lord right now that no matter what happens, no matter if you ever get back to Israel, no matter if He heals you or not, no matter if He makes it all better, no matter if it all comes to the way you ask it, don't 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 tell Him if you do this, then I'll do this. Don't do that. I wish I could tell Jephthah, 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 listen to me right now before you before you command them to go, before you command them to come over the west into the valley to do whatever it's whatever your plan is. Right now, before you do anything, I wish you'd look up into the heavens and change the way you're going to break this down. Because what you're saying is, if you give me what I want. And I'll give you what you love. Instead, I wish you'd take a moment and say, Lord, 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 thank you for the opportunity to come back. Thank you for the chance you've given me to come back and leave. Thank you for all the blessings in my life. You've been so good to me. And if I don't see another victory, then I'm still going to worship you. If I don't see anything come out of this, then I'm still going to worship you. Why? Because you've been too good for me to make a deal now that changes my life like 
God, if you if you do this, then I'll do no, no, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't approach him that way. Don't go at him that way. God, if you give me the raise, then I'll bless you. If you give me the raise, then I'll tithe. If you give me the raise, then I'll do a work for the church. If you give me the raise, then I'll do this. If you'll do that, I'll do this. No, how about you say, God, I'm gonna go ahead and bless you. I'm gonna go ahead and give my time. And I, whatever happens after that, whatever comes next. We have another example quickly. I'm coming to a close of when Abraham, and I'll paraphrase the story this morning, but I'll tell you right now, Abraham is called up to the place. To, the Lord said, I'll show you the place. And he goes and he gathers up Isaac and he and he, he tells the young men to stay back. He says, we're going to go up and worship. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I always want to note the fact that we know what's happening here. But Abraham calls it worship. Why? Because sometimes when you worship, you don't know the end result. And you cannot force the end result on God. You've got to say, God, no matter, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, no matter what it is. And so he goes to the base of that hill. He tells the other ones to stay here. You stay here. You stay here, but you, you're coming with me. And he walks him up to the side of the mountain. He play, he lays the rope on him. He lays the wood on him. He's carrying a knife in his pocket. They're walking up. At this time, Isaac would have been about 33 years old. He looks up at his dad and he says, I'm, I'm noticing something's not here. He says, what's missing? And he says, we don't see a sacrifice. And notice what Abraham does. He says the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Why? Because when we are obedient we don't need a sacrifice. Obedience is what? Better. Israel wake up. Wake up and be obedient to the word of the, of the Lord. Stop being ungrateful. Don't get lost in your current situation. Judges did. I, I, I want you to wake up. Abraham had a hold of something that Isaac was about to learn about. Mom and dad, that's why it's important. That's why it's important. It's important for you to help your children know this is why we're blessed. I can't take a day off. I can't take a day off. i never forget when I was a kid, my mom, we had kangaroos. I've talked about them. We had these shoes that were kangaroos. They had pockets on the sides. The pockets were cool, but the shoes were not cool. You got made fun of for wearing roos, but it's all we could afford. And then one day, my mom, was, she was going to work every day. My dad was building the church. She pulls up to Parrot. I remember vividly walking on the sidewalk. It was back when, when kids just, you hoped they made it home because school was out. You ran outside, and you'd go find your mom somewhere. She might be on Walnut Street. She might be on Pine Street. You don't know where she was, right, Amy? It was like, good luck. Hope to see you tomorrow. Now they have a stop sign. They make you stop. They check your ID. Man, times have changed. I never forget, though, looking at the car, and I saw some Jordan tennis shoe boxes. Everybody was getting Jordans. That was back before they were so expensive. I looked in there. You serious? Mom said, yeah. We all got our Jordans. We quickly went to the playground and tore them up the day after. But anyways. I don't know how the conversation exactly took place, but I remember not. We didn't have much. 
These people were working really, really hard. But I remember in that time, however it came about, my mom's saying, you know what? God's made a way. I remember looking at those shoes, and they were shoes to some. Yeah, that's shoes are shoes. No, no, no. We just wanted a little something. We just we were looking for a little, just a little something, a little different, to be honest with you. It wasn't always easy. It wasn't always perfect. But I remember back then learning the principle that God can make a way. God can make a way. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? The Lord's going to provide himself a sacrifice. So what do I do now? I'm going to take this. I'm going to bind you up. Mom and Dad, sometimes it takes a minute to bind up. Sometimes it takes a minute to go to the place and you have to, to show that, Lord, I trust you, but I'm committed to do what you've asked me to do. Why? Because obedience takes you to the place of the miracle. That's what we're finding here, obedience. What if Abraham would have said, we're going to go up there, we're going to hang out, the Lord's going to, we're going to sit tight. Eventually something's going to walk by and we're going to take it, we're going to capture it, and we're going to sacrifice it. No, the Lord said, lay your son on the altar. So what does that mean? Lay your physical son on the altar. Well, where, where are you going to show up, God? I need you to show up. He has, has the knife in his hand. He's standing over his promise. And at this, at the whole time, mom's at home praying, saying, God, bring back my son. But the father is standing there, not saying, if you give this son to me, then I'll go and do this. No, he's saying, God, he's got it in order. Whatever you've called me to do, I'm going to do. Whatever you've asked me to do, I'm going to do. I know it's hard to fathom this action. But in this time, the Lord is testing the faith and obedience of Abraham. And he's also now ushering something new into the life of Isaac. Why? Because every generation has to know that God can make a way. I know some of you had your, you you crossed your river a long time ago, but there's some down here that have to know about how to cross a river too. And so that's why sometimes when we do some things a little bit different is because we're trying to get them across the river as well. We're trying to get them to understand who God is as well. And we're trying to help them know what's going on as well. So in this moment, he begins this, this, this act, this commitment of obedience. And all of a sudden he hears a voice take, do not put your hand on your son is what he tells you. He says, now I know. Now I know you'll withhold nothing. Now I know that no matter what I ask of you, you're going to do it. Abraham, you don't get there without obedience. You don't get there without submission. Some of you are longing for an answer. I'm just here to tell you right now, I feel so strongly today, a burden to tell somebody you're longing for an answer. I'm telling you, it's in your obedience and in your submission. I know it seems crazy because you're looking around trying to figure out why and what and all the above. And I know you're struggling a little bit in your spirit, but I've come to tell you today that God is calling us to a deeper place of obedience. And it was spoken this morning in such a wonderful way in first word, such a mighty word. And I sat there, just could not believe what God was orchestrating today. I'm coming right now to tell somebody that your word and the promise that you're longing for is simply 
only in your total act of obedience that says, God, no matter what it is you ask of me, no matter what it is. In that moment, the Lord, the, uh, the Bible tells us that Abraham hears a bristling in the, in the thicket. There was something taking place. And the very thing that was formed and created by God, not to get caught in a thicket. The very thing that could walk through the sides of a mountain with an incline that was something that you and I would fall. Oh, but it, it, could, it, could, it can trek the whole side. It can walk through thickets. It can make its way everywhere. Somehow the Lord reached down and took a, took a vine and wrapped it around its horns and caught it in the thicket. Why? Because when you have obedience, you'll always have an answer. So what I want to tell you, Jephthah, is stop for a moment and quit telling the Lord, if you'll do this for me, I'll do it for you. I want you to turn it upside down like Abraham did and say, simply say, Lord, no matter what you've asked me, I'm going to worship you. No matter what it is you require of me, I'm going to worship you. No matter how hard it might be, no matter how difficult it might be, no matter if it's for me or if it's there, bigger picture, whatever it is, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you, God. Would you close your eyes all over this place for a moment? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Would you just take a moment? I'm just going to ask you just where you're seated just for a moment. Would you just begin to talk to the Lord? If you feel comfortable joining with somebody, that's fine too. But let's walk through this just for a moment and say, God, whatever it is you want of me, whatever it is you desire of me, whatever it is, God, I, I want to worship you, God. Yes, Jesus. eyes closed and heads bowed just for a moment but I'm going to open these altars if you feel to come you're welcome to come this morning and I pray help us right now Jesus God whatever you have for me Lord whatever you have for me I, I trust you Jesus I trust you Jesus Bye. 